grateful that we have the opportunity to be together and worship in person, or those of you joining online, maybe you're going somewhere for the long extended weekend. But as we watched in the video at the very beginning and as we pray, we remember that this weekend is an opportunity for us to remember all those who have given their lives in service to our country, who, whose very life reflects what Jesus said, that there is no greater love than one who gives their life for a friend. And so we acknowledge that, we are grateful for that, and we um, look out at, at those of you here who are with us who uh, put yourself in the position of serving our country. And uh, we know it's Memorial Day, it's to remember those who have gone before us, um, but we also want to honor you. So if you are here and you have served in any branch of military, in any capacity, would you please stand? Because uh, we want to thank God for your service to our country. Thank you. Today is also Pentecost Sunday. It's a fascinating blend between the two things as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus and what it enables us to do, empowers us by the power of the Holy Spirit to all find ways in which we can give our lives as we follow his example in what he has done for us. If it's your first time worshiping with us here, uh, we're so glad you came. We encourage you to fill out the Connect card it looks, um, it's in your pews there, it's blue, um, or you can fill it out digitally at the information found there on the screen. Let us know uh, that you're here so that we can thank you for worshiping with us. Um, if you have questions, prayer requests, you can give us those things as well, and we'd be happy to answer those questions and pray for those needs. If you'd like to give an offering, you can do that today as well um, by leaving your offering in one of the offering boxes as you exit the sanctuary or as you come up for communion on either side. We don't pass the plate, um, not because the offering isn't important, but it's one of the many ways we try to communicate that giving an offering is an act of worship. And we're actually going to talk very directly about this concept today. God has given us everything we have, and we come before him and we give thanks to him for providing for our needs by giving him a portion through his church. God uses those gifts to do the work of his church, but it does more in us. And so so as an act of worship, we, we thank you, those of you who are faithful in that way, and we encourage you to consider giving either online or in those offering boxes as you come and go. A uh, few announcements that I want to share with you before we get started. First of all, speaking of offerings, you'll see that this next week, Friday and Saturday, is our annual rummage sale, and we never cease to have enough, um, uh, we, we never cease to have plenty of things uh, to sell, and I know for many people, this becomes a tradition. Maybe you've had your own rummage sale, or maybe instead of you having a rummage sale, you're going to bring the things to the church um, that we can then sell, which is a great gift because all of the proceeds will go to our student ministry. They don't go to the general budget. They don't go to anything like a project or anything like that. They go to make possible opportunities for our students, our young people, to experience the love of God through mission trips and retreats and things like that. And so if you'd like to support that, um, you can bring in items this week. The information is in your bulletin, and you can come and shop June 9th and 10th. And we thank you, those of you who have already brought stuff. I know some of you have stuff in the car. You're going to bring it in after church. So um, let us know. We'd love to make um, to 
help you with that. And then last but not least, uh, this is our final Sunday before our summer schedule begins. And the 9.30 service is going to move to 10 o'clock. Next week, are we meeting at 9.30? No. When are we meeting? 10 o'clock. I know if you say it, you're not going to forget, okay? And we're not going to meet here at the church. We're going to meet at Babe Man Park at their brand new lakefront pavilion. And we have praised God ever since we've begun announcing that because it is a beautiful venue to, to be out and, and worship together. Um, it's been a great venue for us the last, this is going on four years that we've had the privilege of worshiping out there. Um, and this year we get to do so in this wonderful new space. And so I want to encourage you to join us for that. We will continue to offer our eight o'clock service both here in person as well as online. Um, and so if the outdoor thing doesn't work for you, but I want to encourage you to come, even if it's not your normal service. I told the 8 o'clock service, we've got so many opportunities uh, to connect. Starting next week at our kickoff on June 4th, after the service, we're going to have a cookout. There'll be hot dogs and brats and nine square, a kid's message, all sorts of fun things. They're family services, but we're going to make them family fun. Um, we're going to bring out some camp songs and uh, some kids' messages. We've got busy boxes to keep the kids um, entertained during the service if they get a little rambunctious, or the parents sometimes need to be entertained, and so they can use those things too. We'll have iced coffee. We'll have um, popsicles. And then throughout the summer, we've got lots of different opportunities to connect. Um, we have a pet blessing in July. Um, I've already talked to the Steffens family and asked them to bring their bearded dragon again, so they're going to do that. That's always fun, but you can bring dogs and cats, and Lakeland Animal Shelter will be there. Uh, Father's Day, we're going to have a brand new food truck uh, that does barbecue, um, so that's really exciting. The ski team, Southern Wake ski team, they're going to help us learn how to ski, and they'll show off their experience a little bit too, so lots of different opportunities to have some fun out at the park, and that starts next Sunday at what time? 10 o'clock. All right, I wanted to make sure that you didn't forget that. Um, we also are blessed this morning that little Paxton is going to be um, baptized. I'm looking out at his family. He's probably running around somewhere, right? Um, but we are excited to celebrate with you guys. And we're excited that we get to be here together as a family of faith. And so we're going to turn to God's word. I'm going to ask you to do two things. First of all, I'm going to ask you to take out your Bible. You're going to open it up to Acts chapter 2. We're not going to read it. We're going to listen to it. And as we listen to it, we're going to hear the words in the context of the sounds that are described in the book of Acts that happened on this day 2,000 years ago. We also want to acknowledge the reality that we're not here alone. God is with us. And so turn to the people around you after you've opened up your Bible and say good morning, and then we'll begin. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Mids, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, and Amphilia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonder of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? speed to God. There's an old preacher story that I read some years ago. It's about a, a wealthy man who, who loved to collect fine art like Picasso, Van Gogh, Monet, and he did so with his only son. It was the only family he had was he and his son, and they shared this common appreciation for fine art, the masterpieces that they would go out and find together. And one winter, as the son was now an adult, their nation was ravaged by war, and he was drafted into the army, and he went out to fight for his country, and tragically, he lost his life out on the battlefield. He never came home. But there was another soldier that had served alongside him, and the Christmas after this man's son passed away, that soldier showed up at his house, knocked on the door, the old father answered, And he explained that he had served next to this man's son. And this man's son had saved his life. And as they had gotten to know each other, he said, he told me about the fact that you and your son both loved fine art. And I'm not an amazing artist, but but I do remember what your son looked like. And so as this small token of my incredible gratitude to the sacrifice that your son has made, I've painted this portrait of your son. And I wanted to bring it to you, and I wanted to give it to you. And he said, as much as it wasn't maybe the best painting in the world, it looked just like the man's son. And so he thanked him for it. It became the centerpiece of this collection that they had. Uh, The Monets and the Van Goghs and the Picassos. And above all of those, above the mantle, was this painting of the man's son. Well, eventually the old man passed away. And since he didn't have any family, he had stipulated in his will that all of the expensive art was to be auctioned off in a single day And art connoisseurs knew that there were all of these one-of-a-kind masterpieces in this collection, so they came from far and wide for the auction. They wanted a chance at the Picassos and the Van Goghs and the Monets. But as you can imagine, the first piece that went up for auction was the painting of the sun. And nobody wanted the painting of the sun. It wasn't old. They didn't know who he was. It wasn't worth anything. But there was a man who, who lived right down the road. He watched the sun grow up. He was kind of wondering what all the hustle and bustle was. And so he had walked into this auction. And he was sitting in the back. And when nobody bid on the picture of the sun, he raised his hand. He said, I'll bid $10. The auctioneer said, okay, $15. Anybody? Okay, 10 Okay, going once, going twice. Sold to the man in the back. And then the auctioneer started to 
pack up his things. All the people that had come for the Picassos and the Van Goghs and the Monets, they said, wait, 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 what about all the other paintings? And the auctioneer said, the auction is over. I had strict orders in the will that the first painting to be auctioned off was the painting of the sun. And that whoever gets the sun gets everything else. The reason that I begin with this story, the reason it's an old preacher story, is because it's the truth of God. And when we get the sun, or, or, or maybe more accurately, when the sun gets us, as he's, he's going to be getting little Paxton right today, we are told, we know that we get everything. And the power of that everything that we have in God is, is found in a truth that we remember on a day we call Pentecost. Now, last week we started talking about Pentecost. So if you were with us, we learned some things about Pentecost. Today is the day of Pentecost. It's the official day when millions of Christians are celebrating all over the world in all different traditions. The word Pentecost comes from the Greek word for 50. It's a Jewish festival first. It's one of the pilgrimage festivals known as the Feast of Weeks. In Hebrew, it's Shavuot. It's 50 days or seven weeks after Passover. And so for Christians, we remember that the Thursday before Easter on the Passover is when we get what we now consider the Last Supper. And seven weeks after the Last Supper, 2,000 years ago, after Jesus had ascended back to the Father in heaven, he died, he rose again, he ascended, he gave his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon the people of his church. And it's what we read in Acts chapter 2 each year. It's what Jesus promised in the reading we read last week. There was a day when the context, there was 120 people up in this upper room. It would have included the disciples and Jesus' mother Mary and his brother James and, and others. And it says this is what happened. We just listened to this. Verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what happened to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I want you to just picture being in that upper room while this is happening. It's an amazing sight that we can only imagine. And if you look at the, at the language here, it says suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. And I point out those words because that's not what happened. It's just the best language those that were there could use to describe the events of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. The author of this book is Luke, and he wrote these things based on the eyewitness reports that he received from those who were there. And so I could just imagine that he's sitting with people that were in that upper room and they're like, you know, have you ever been out on the Sea of Galilee? And there's this huge wind that comes in. You've been out on a boat, right? It was like that, but we were inside and this wind came in. Have you ever had a bonfire? Like this would be a good weekend to have a bonfire, right? And, and you look at the flame and the flame 
is like bouncing is like that, but the flame that we saw separated and it, and it descended upon all the people that were in that room. And then this is what happened next. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Can you imagine being in that place at that time? Can you imagine experiencing the indescribable events that we're reading about right here? And the reason that they spoke in other tongues was because this is the festival of Pentecost. People had come from far and wide who spoke in all sorts of different languages. And so they were enabled to hear by those who were speaking, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the hope of God, that God is with them too. And they heard those words in their own native tongue. And the reason that the church is celebrating this today, and the reason that we celebrate Pentecost every single year, millions of Christians celebrate it, isn't just because it was an amazing historical event that took place 2,000 years ago, but it's because it is an event that is taking place in our hearts, in our lives, and in our world right here and right now for those who have Jesus and for whom Jesus has them. It's why the Apostle Paul said later on in Galatians chapter 5, so I say, say it with me, walk by the Spirit. He said walk by the Spirit. It's an action word. And the reason that I shared the story at the beginning about the old man and his son is I, I wonder how many of us have chosen Jesus long ago or, or acknowledge that Jesus has chosen us, right? We're, we're Christians. We, we know the promises of our baptism, but yet we don't even begin to understand what does it mean to walk by the Spirit of God. And I think part of the reason for that is because to us, the Holy Spirit is hocus pocus. We can understand God is Father because we have an image of Father. And we can understand God is Jesus the Son, right? And all those things make sense. We can conceptualize that. But when we think about the Holy Spirit, we think about the third wheel of the Trinity. We think about ghosts. And ghosts are creepy, aren't they? I said at the first service, I said, you know, even like Casper the Friendly Ghost... I thought, you know, of all the shows that I've shown my kids that I grew up watching, um, I haven't shown them Casper the Friendly Ghost. And I had somebody come up to me at the 8 o'clock service and said, Pastor Tom, I am offended because that was my favorite show when I was growing up. And he was friendly. And he went around and he helped everybody and all that. So now I guess i got to watch Casper the Friendly Ghost. But, but I, I don't know why. I just haven't been drawn to it. And I think it's just because I instinctively know that we think ghosts are scary. And I remember this from years back. We were doing the, the prayers that we do every night with our kids. And it was just our oldest two boys. Evan, our second oldest, he was five years old at the time. We were singing the doxology every night. And, and if you grew up in church, you, you might know the doxology. At the very end of the doxology, we sing, Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And so we sang that every single night. And after several nights, Evan looked at me in all honesty. And he said, Daddy, can we change it to Holy Spirit, please? <laughs> 
And I realized that the reason why was because he was creeped out by the image of a ghost. We were leaving him with the concept of a ghost. Every night he was going to bed and he was scared. And it actually was a good thing because it gave us this opportunity to talk about who is God. Not just God as Father, not only God as Son, but God as Spirit. The Spirit of God reminds us that He is with us wherever we go. And if you go back to the story about the old man and the paintings, whoever wrote it wanted to communicate that as Christians, when we choose Jesus, when Jesus chooses us, that's only the beginning. In Him, we get everything. And what that means literally is we get the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, we experience the presence of God in everything we do and in everywhere we go. It's why Jesus said, it'll be better for me to go and send the Spirit. The Spirit, he calls the advocate. He calls it the helper. And so in Galatians, Paul says, walk by the Spirit, and then he says, because you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the way we live without the Spirit of God. And in case you're wondering what that looks like, he gives us an example. He gives us lots of examples. The acts of the flesh are obvious. This is not exhaustive, but he gives you some examples. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discourse, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, now just show of hands, how many of you have seen examples of something on that list somewhere in life over the last week? Show of hands. Did you turn on the news this morning? Did you look in the mirror? And I love this list. I really do. Not because I love anything about this list, but I, I love just how broad this list is. Because there are things on this list that probably repulse you. There are things on this list that you wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. You might say, you know what, I really don't understand the Holy Spirit. And so if I don't understand the Holy Spirit, I really don't understand witchcraft. I would never participate in witchcraft. But do you see that witchcraft is on the same list as jealousy. Have you ever been jealous before? Have you ever envied someone? Hatred, right? Selfish ambition. The point is, we are all guilty. This is the natural life in which we get swooped into, and it crushes us without the presence of the Spirit of God. But on Pentecost, we get the Spirit of God. He is with us. And so Paul says, walk by the Spirit. And when you walk by the Spirit, there's fruit that grows in your life and it pours outside of your life into the people around you, but it pours inside of you first. And he describes with a different list, what does that look like? The fruit of the Spirit, say it with me, love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I think it was two years ago we did a whole summer series. We went through each one of those attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. And I, I said it then and I've said it to so many people. I think every week I have a conversation at least with one person who comes to me and says, Pastor, I need more peace. 
I need more patience. Like, have you ever said that before? I love this list, and I love memorizing this list. And you should memorize this list if you've never memorized it. Because it's a list that will remind you when I need more of those things, I don't need more of those things. I need more of God who gives me those things. You can't generate peace. You can't buy peace. I don't care how good your hot dogs and brats are tomorrow. It's not going to bring you the kind of peace that the Spirit of God will bring. It's not going to bring the depth of joy that God wants to bring to your life wherever you are. The source of those things is God. And we're given those things through the Son. And yet how many of us are like the people at the art auction? We're just waiting for all the good stuff in life. We want the Picassos and the Monets and the Van Goghs. And and we do everything. We work, work, work trying to accomplish and achieve those things, not realizing that the best things in life have already been given to us through the Son. And we see this in the way in which Jesus fulfills the festival of Pentecost. Now, for for the Jewish people at this time, it was expected that every able-bodied Jew would come to Jerusalem and they would give a thank offering. I told you we were going to connect this to the offering. They would give an offering of thanksgiving. It was for the wheat harvest. They just harvested wheat. And so basically these people, they would just work, 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 work. And then after they were done working by planting and caring for the wheat crops, they harvested all of it. And then they would bring the first fruits of the harvest to God in Jerusalem. And I think about our own circle of life and our own rhythm and our own culture. We're entering, this is like the the unofficial beginning of summer, right? It's Memorial Day weekend. And so up until this point, we've been in this season of a year long of work, 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 work. And for you, maybe it's not working by by planting. You're not a, a farmer, but you have been planting opportunities, haven't you? And you've been growing them. You've been chasing after the harvest. And and what's going to happen is you're going to get to the end of the summer and the season is going to come again. I I kid you not. It's Memorial Day weekend. If you blink in church, you're going to open your eyes and it's going to be Labor Day. Like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And I don't have to tell this to a farmer, right? The seasons keep going whether you're ready for them or not. And so what does God do as he's teaching these Hebrew people how to live and building into their lives these rhythms? He commands them to stop. At the beginning of the harvest, to stop, to literally leave your fields for a few days. Come to the temple and give thanks to the one who has given you everything that you have. Their rhythm of life was work, 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 stop, rest, give thanks. Work, 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 stop, rest, Give thanks. Work, work, work. Stop, rest, and give thanks to God. And so I want to ask you, is that a relevant rhythm for us as we go about entering into this season of cultural rest? I almost don't even want to say it that way, right? Because let's just be honest. How many of us get a ton of rest in the summer? It's just a different kind of busy, right? 
You're doing all the things out in your yard that you can't do during the rest of the year. You've got baseball and vacations and and planting and all these things. And we get to the end of the summer and we all laugh because it happens every year. It's Labor Day, right? Usually for me, it hits on the 4th of July. 4th of July comes and I'm like, whoa, we're halfway through summer. Where did that go? And then suddenly they're selling my kids school supplies. (laughs) And we're into the fall. And here it comes again. And, and it can be so easy to get caught up in all that stuff and, and to forget because we don't follow the Jewish rhythm of festivals and pilgrimages to Jerusalem. We forget to stop and to pause and to rest and to give thanks to God for everything that he's given us over the course of this last year, for all the seeds that have been planted and grown, for the harvest that we have had the privilege of reaping. And so let me tell you, as people that are probably not of Jewish descent, maybe some of you are, um, but if, if you're not, even if you are, if you're not following this rhythm, you don't have to do this, but you have to do this anyway. You should follow the rhythm of work, 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 stop, rest, give thanks to God. If for no other reason, two reasons I'll give you. First of all, God is worthy of it. God has given us everything we have. We have nothing without him. And so that should be reason enough. But the second reason is is you need the fruit of the Spirit in order to have the gifts that you need to get through the next season that's going to come. You're going to need peace and hope and love and joy and all of the things that come from the presence of God. And if you don't spend time in the presence of God, you're going to leave your vacation in need of another vacation. Have you ever gone on a vacation where you needed another vacation? Just because we're not Jewish doesn't mean we don't need to do what they did. We do. It is essential. If you need peace, let me say this, you will not find it on a beach. You won't find it on a golf course. You won't find it anywhere. You will find it in the presence of God. And and none of those things you're planning on doing are bad. Vacations are good. They're good things. Mowing your lawn is good. Going golfing is good. But what we learn on the day of Pentecost is that the only thing that has sustained you up to this point, and the only thing that is going to give you what you really need in the season to come comes from the source of life itself, which is God. And so we come before God, and we thank God, and we thank God for blessing us, and we worship God, and we ask him to give us what we need, which is found in this list, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If If you don't have peace, you can't go anywhere to find it. But you don't have to go anywhere because it lives in you. What did Jesus say last week in the Gospel of John? He said, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water flow from within them. Let me tell you, do you have an Airbnb reserved on a river somewhere this summer? Cancel it. You don't need to go. Actually, don't cancel it. (laughs) That would be just fine. I was standing outside after the 8 o'clock service, and somebody was showing me they were in Idaho. 
And they were, they were out backpacking, and they went out on these beautiful rivers, these spring-fed rivers. I don't know if any of you have ever been out to the spring-fed rivers in Idaho, but the water was beautiful, and it was perfect. And it looked even clearer than the clearest of pools. I mean, it was just, it was just amazing. And we looked at those pictures together, and I looked at her. She's actually the same person that I offended by saying that, that Casper the Friendly Ghost wasn't fun. And we're looking at the pictures, and I said, can you imagine Jesus said, that those rivers live inside of you. And so if you go up to the river this summer, that's fine. But look out at the river and don't forget that the same God that made that river made you. And his presence lives in you. Did anybody see the beautiful sunset last night? The vivid colors? There is more vividness. There is more beauty. There is more life contained inside of you than there was in all of the colors that you saw in the sky last night because the Spirit of God who painted that perfect, one-of-a-kind picture painted you and lives in you. And we learn this truth in Acts chapter 2 as we look back at what happened on Pentecost and what continues to take place in our lives as we walk by the Spirit. And I'll leave you with this. I read this some years ago. In Acts chapter 2, I read a, a scholar who wrote a, a commentary on that chapter. And he said that if the Holy Spirit can be described as a wind, then our lives could be described as a boat. And so just imagine that you're in a boat, that you are a boat, and you're out on a sea or a river or an ocean or a lake or whatever it is. And he said that there are seasons in our life that we row and we row and we row to get to the places where we feel like we are led to go. And, and the scholar that wrote this, he said, there's nothing wrong with rowing. It felt very American when I read it. If God gave you oars, use them. <laughs> and that's fine. But is there anybody here who's tired of rowing? Is there anyone here who sees that God is calling you to a place on the other side of the river that the current is pushing against you and you just don't have the strength to get to that place that God is calling you to go. You can't do it anymore. This scholar said that when that time comes, we need to have the gift of discernment to put down our oars and set up our sails. Have you ever gone sailboating? I'll just be honest. I am, I am more of a pontoon boat with a motor guy. <laughs> But I've had the privilege, and if you've never had the opportunity, you need to go out sailing. It is an incredible experience. You set up the, 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 you, you set up the sails. You put down the oars. It's incredible. And, and the reason I, I would prefer to be out on, on a pontoon boat is because the truth is going sailboating is anything but easy. <laughs> There's, there's a ton of work that has to be done. You, you set up the sails. You're moving them based on the way in which the wind is moving and the way you feel led to go. You're constantly readjusting, ducking, and making sure you don't get hit and fall into the water. you got to do it at least once, right? All of these things you have to do. But I'll tell you the one thing that isn't required on a sailboat, and that is power. There is not an engine on a sailboat because the power comes from the wind. And that's the shift as we see the power of God in us and recognize that it's God that is directing our steps and it is him who is pursuing us and drawing us to wherever he has called us to go. It doesn't mean we don't work. 
But it means that we put down our oars. We set our sails. And for the rest of our lives, we're catching the wind of the Spirit, drawing us to the places that God is calling us to go, recognizing that we are ultimately under the authority of the wind. So my challenge to you as your pastor on this Memorial Day weekend is this summer, put down your oars. I asked you if you were tired, and everybody nodded. (laughs) Put down your oars. Set your sail. Walk in the Spirit, because with Christ in us and us in him, you and I have the Son, and when we have the Son, we have everything we need. Amen? Amen. After the resurrected Jesus had ascended to heaven, his disciples waited for the promised Holy Spirit, the Helper and Counselor, who would be sent from the Father. The day of Pentecost was the day that promise was fulfilled. On that day, like a rushing wind from heaven, the Spirit of God was poured out upon his people. The people of God were now filled with the presence of God. The temple of God, once a building, was now his people, men and women, filled with his spirit. That day, the church of Jesus Christ began. A people set apart to follow God, speak the good news, and embody the kingdom of God, fueled and empowered by the spirit. For where the spirit of the Lord is, souls are saved. Dead hearts of stone are transformed into hearts of flesh, full of abundant life. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, truth is revealed. He is himself the Spirit of truth, and he replaces the lies of the world with the truth of God's word. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, sin is conquered. Our eyes are opened to the wickedness of our sin, and the Spirit transforms us to become more and more like Christ. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, identity is secure, He reminds us of who we really are in Christ, citizens of heaven, sons and daughters of the one true God. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, Christ is exalted. The Spirit shines a spotlight on Christ and what he's done, reminding us of the cross, the empty grave, and the day that is yet to come, when Jesus returns to us again and makes his home among us. Today is a special.